0: to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Okay, I want to start off this episode by saying, first of all, that the majority of the content that's going to be on this particular episode is of a sexual nature. So I want you to always keep in mind that every single one of these episodes is linked as explicit. And that's that's always the case, regardless of the episode, not because I'm a cursing maniac or anything or... Uh, you know, the stuff that gets brought up is 100% appro- inappropriate all of the time, per se. But we, we cover serious stuff here, clearly. And uh, this particular episode just happens to, to to cover a great deal of things that are of a sexual nature, in particular regarding American K-12 education. So again, I'm just forewarning you here. Uh, some of the content here, too, is, is as old as this past weekend. And, you know, I was going to cover it on Monday's episode, and I was going to cover it even just pop in during the weekend and and discuss some of this, but I thought, nah, maybe I'll just let it slide and I won't cover it at all or discuss it or bring it up because it's kind of a number of different places now. But what this has proven is that online social media really is, uh, in particular, the better outlets, as I've said in the past, like Telegram and Gab, in particular Gab, it really is proving to sort of be the tip of the spear here. With the number of people that are on it, and the number of citizen journalists that are on it, and the content that's being brought to the forefront, because it will be days after something shows up on Gab that'll make that it'll make its way to the Gateway Pundit, which is a, a major news outlet, a major conservative news outlet, and then it'll be days after it's on the Gateway Pundit that somebody will tweet about it, which means you're hearing about things on Twitter. Sometimes a week, two weeks, or not at all when it comes to a particular story. So all of this is worth mentioning um, because that really is sort of the, the unfortunate pecking order when it comes to getting out factual information and the, the, just the overall censorship that happens all of the time. So here's this first story that I wanted to bring up. And this is, uh, which again has been brought up in the past, at uh, the very least this past weekend. But this first one is from Amaze Parents on YouTube, A-M-A-Z-E Parents. And this was a video that was shown in an elementary school class in the Dalton School in Manhattan. I believe in the Manhattan area, but certainly in, in the New York City area. And the school where this teacher works, this female teacher works, who showed this video, as I said, is the Dalton School, and that's the school that Jeffrey Epstein worked in. So, is it a coincidence? No, it's not. There are no such things. They don't exist. This is not an accident that such a video would be shown at such a school. Over the years, the Dalton School has been proven to be a sexual playground of degeneracy, among other things. Trafficking, grooming, children, you name it. So I'm going to play the audio of this video. It's two minutes and 34 seconds long. Here we go.
1: Pass it,
2: Squeaks! Whoa! Watch it! You almost hit me
1: in the (laughs) (laughs) pee-pee! What's so funny, you two? He said, (laughs) (laughs) pee-pee. Do you notice that when you say pee-pee, you giggle, but when you say penis, you say it in a serious voice? I never noticed that before. Some children and adults feel uncomfortable when they talk about their private parts, so they make up cute or funny names for them. What's one for a girl's private parts? (laughs) 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 J. But what does Scoops mean when he says vajayjay? He means vulva. That's right, Kayla. It's important to use the proper words for our private parts. Why? Because our private parts are just as amazing as our hearts, lungs, brains, or any other of our amazing body parts. But our hearts pump blood, our lungs breathe, and our brains think. All our private parts do is pee. That's not entirely true, Scoops. It is true that a person pees or urinates through a hole called the urethra in the penis. Does everyone have a urethra? They do. It can be harder to see, but girls have a tiny hole in the front of the vulva where urine comes out from their urethra. Urination is actually very important. It helps us get rid of waste, stuff our body doesn't need. Hey, how come my penis gets big sometimes and points up in the air? That's called an erection. Sometimes, I touch my penis because it feels good. Sometimes, when I'm in my bath or when mom puts me to bed, I like to touch my vulva too. You have a clitoris there, Kayla, that probably feels good to touch the same way Keith's penis feels good when he touches it. But have you ever noticed that older kids and grown-ups don't touch their private parts in public? Hmm, they don't? That's right, Keith. It's okay to touch yourself and see how different body parts feel. But it's best to only do it in private. Well, if private parts are so special, why do you cover them up? Because they are private, silly. That's right, Kayla. Because they are private. Hey, squeaks. pass it. Wait. Okay,
3: I'm ready.
0: As you might expect, there's a number of different things to bring up here and getting them all sort of organized coherently is, is going to be a little tough. Uh, number one, as a former health education, anatomy, and physiology, and science teacher, certified and educated, by the way, with a, with a bachelor's in health education, this is completely inappropriate. This is not something that any teacher, let alone an elementary school teacher, who isn't certified to teach such a subject, should ever be bringing up in a classroom setting anywhere. But it's the Dalton School, so they groom students there anyway, and we know that. We know that already. So that's like asking uh, a trash can to not smell like shit. Trash cans smell bad. So does the Dalton School. This is par for the course for them. Uh, This particular video was uploaded on February 27th of 2019, And it has one hundred ninety-four thousand eight hundred ninety-four views at this point. Um, Again, from the Amaze Parents YouTube channel. A M A Z E, all in bold letters. It's it's it 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 speaks for itself. I think I'm not I'm not sure that there's any really anything else I can add. It it's just not it's not appropriate. But what it needs to what it needs to prove to people is that this is what happens when educators. I'm using that phrase lightly because clearly the the person showing this is not an educator. This is what happens when individuals get out of their line and step out of their lane, and they start to cover particular subjects that they think are important when in fact it is not their job. It also shows the underlying sort of deep-seated issue that a lot of these individuals have who are in instructor positions is they believe that it's their job to be the parent. And it's their job to – and I got to tell you too, this happens more frequently within urban settings because they make the assumption that they have no parents if they live in an urban setting. Even if they attend a private school or even if they attend um, you know, a wealth – and they live in a well-to-do area, so to speak, or a wealthy area, they just believe that it's still their job as a, as a teacher to be the parent. That is not the job of the teacher. It's never the job of the teacher to be a parent. It's never the job of an administrator to be the parent. It is not the job of any school, quote-unquote, official to be the parent. This is this is a subject that is discovered on oneself through curiosity and just through aging, or it's something that a parent will bring up with their children on their own time. It is not the job of an elementary school teacher, middle school teacher, or even a high school teacher to bring up such things. Again, if particular things are brought up in more serious classes, say at the high school level, then uh, you know it, it, then it depends again on the quality of the instructor and the instruction that's being delivered. But even so. The business of masturbation is not something that should ever be brought up within a school setting whatsoever. Um, Again, that's something that people will either discover on their own, you know, they ask friends, they, you know, they do whatever. I mean, now with cell phones, the way that they are, anybody can look anything up anytime they want. What is this? What is this? What is this? And that's all they have to type into a, a cell phone or any search engine. Hopefully not Google, but you you get my point. Uh, so there's that video, which again, I don't know. <clears throat> excuse me. I don't know if the teacher's on leave or not. Probably not. Again, it's a private school for all I know. They got a promotion, and I think I said something like that on Gab. I said they're going to get promoted. You know, they'll be promoted. Don't expect anything else. Um, okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing comes from Blue's Clues which if you're not familiar with that too, again, it's, it's catered toward children and it's a cartoon with some stupid blue dog that bounces around, uh, woofing stupid stuff. And, um, here we go. So this came from, this was on Gab 2, uh, before it made its way again to the Gateway Pundit, but it's from Kitty Shackelford and it's, uh, It just has he they just have some bullet points here and it says trannies, drag queens, commie first, subverted family structure, disabled non-binary dolphin, Moloch Kangs or gangs maybe is what they meant to say. Um, and then they say thanks, blues clues. Very cool. So I'm gonna describe here what what is in the actual video. And again, you can look this up anywhere you want now and and, and figure it out, but the imagery also is disturbing and pedophilic to say the least uh first of all it's a they're counting to 10 with this stupid song so it's 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 9 10 and then there's this uh dumb song that goes along with it which you'll suffer through here for at least a minute and a half because if i suffered through it well you're going to also and uh and it's a it's a it's a drag queen um and Singing at 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 the front of this of this parade caravan that's going by with different floats with different animals and one of them is is filled with gophers and apparently all the gophers are transsexual because that's where the word transsexual gets brought up. The imagery too is interesting because the drag queen is wearing the double heart. It's, uh, again, I've mentioned symbolism on the podcast before, but it's, this is, you can look this up through the FBI or just, you can even Google this one and you might find it. Certainly on DuckDuckGo and Startpage you'll find it, but it's um, it, it's pedophile imagery and it's a heart on top of a heart or a heart inside of a heart. And that imagery, if I'm not mistaken, um, is little child lover little girl lover or little boy lover it's one of it's one of the three but it's right on the chest of this drag queen who's singing this song so i'm going to play this audio for again about a minute and a half is all because yeah you'll get the gist of it once once it's kind of rolling through because it's over three minutes long but uh here we go
3: hey blue look at all these families Hi, families! It's time for a Pride dream. Families marching one by one. Hurrah, hurrah. Families marching one by one. Hurrah, hurrah. This family has two mommies. They love each other so proudly and they all go marching in the big hooray. Families marching two by two. Hurrah, hurrah. Families marching two by two. Hurrah, hurrah. This family has two daddies. They love each other so proudly and they They all go marching in the big parade. Come on, friends! Families marching three by three. Hurrah! Hurrah! hurrah. hurrah. Families marching three by three, hurrah, hurrah. These papas are non-binary. They love each other so proudly, and they all go marching in the big hooray. Families marching four by four, hurrah, hurrah. Families marching four by four, hurrah, hurrah. Trans members of this family all love each other so proudly, and they all go marching in. The big Come, join the fun,
0: <sighs> Come join the fun. No thanks, I'm good. I'm good with the fun. Um, it continues for another minute. To actually, sorry, it continues for another two minutes. And there's not a single nuclear family in the entire thing, from what I could tell. Uh, yeah, there you go remarkably inappropriate again it's normalizing to the pride parades which this is an interesting little side note if you've ever watched sort of the street interviews that that um, that citizen journalists will do they'll attend these pride parades and they'll pull individuals aside and they'll say do you think that these parades are appropriate for children and there are countless people there who attend these pride parades. Um, who openly state, no, this is not appropriate for children. Should Children should not be here. Um, we are here, but w- children should not be here. And it really is amazing that even within their own, whatever you want to call it, that there's so much division that exists too. Um, it really is degenerate, in my opinion. Again, it, This is what television and our culture and education have in store for America's children. And again, if if you think that this is a new thing, I'm here to tell you it's not. This dates back to the early 1900s of the Weimar Republic in Europe, in Germany um it's it's just one perversion after another and the normalizing of such perversions the long-term plan of course was always to have such perversions make their way here and be injected within our culture and unfortunately it's happened and it makes the news some of the time most of the time it's glossed over very quickly and then buried um, and in other cases, it's—I mean—it's just never even talked about. So this is out there again. The symbolism is out there. It's everywhere. They're—they're they're mocking people to their faces without them knowing it, and uh, it's just—it's overwhelming. And it is everywhere, and it's absolutely horrible. So there's that. Okay. Uh, this next story again got buried very quickly. And remarkably troubling, and there's a lot of names here that I'm not going to be able to pronounce because um, they're Native American tribes in Canada, and I'm I'm just—I would butcher them even if I tried. So, with all due respect, I'm just not going to. But this is uh, this is titled "Canada mourns as remains of 215 children are found at Indigenous school." You may or may not have heard this, but this was just again a day or so ago. I'm just going to read through this here. This comes from We Are The News. We Are The News, um, and it says this, quote, A mass grave containing the remains of 215 children has been found in Canada at a former residential school set up to assimilate indigenous people. The children were students at the Kamloops Indian Reservation School in British Columbia that closed in 1978. The discovery was announced on Thursday by the chief of the Again, I'm not going to get it First Nation. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said it was a painful reminder of the shameful chapter of our country's history. Now I'm going to stop there real quick. Justin Trudeau is a monster. He's a communist, globalist monster. And what he's doing in Canada right now, because all of Canada is on a full-blown lockdown. If you don't know this about Justin Trudeau, he's a pedophile. And he's a trafficker of children. This is a proven fact. He's also the son of Fidel Castro. If you don't know that either, you can look this up. This information exists everywhere. So birds of a feather flock together, and the apple does not fall far from the tree. So I'm going to keep reading here, but keep that in mind. We're talking about government-run school, and you're going to see the religious component, not to mention it involving indigenous people within Canada. It says, quote, the First Nation is working with museum specialists and the coroner's office to establish the causes and timings of the deaths, which are not currently known. Okay, now I can tell you what probably happened here, just based off of things that I know, things I read, and what I'm aware of. They were probably the victims of child sex trafficking or satanic sacrifice of some kind. That's not uncommon. And it's absolutely horrific, and it happens, in particular, among minorities, when the government gets involved, or, as you're going to hear in a minute, the Roman Catholic Church gets involved. So it continues, quote, Roseanne Cashmere, if I'm saying that right, the chief of the community in British Columbia's city of Kamloops, said the preliminary findings represented an unthinkable loss that was never documented by the school's administrators. Canada's residential schools were compulsory boarding, boarding schools run by the government and religious authorities during the 19th and 20th centuries with the aim of forcibly assimilating indigenous youth. Kamloops Indian, Reservation, uh, Res- Indian Residential School rather, was the largest in the residential system Opened under Roman Catholic administration in 1890, the school has had as many as 500 students when enrollment peaked in the 1950s. The central government took over took over administration of the school in 1969, operating it as a residence as a residence for local students until 1978, when it was closed. Uh, said the remains were found with the help of the ground-penetrating radar. During a survey of the school, quote, to our knowledge, these missing children are undocumented deaths, Miss, Miss Kashmir said. Some are as young as three years old. Ladies and gentlemen, this reeks of satanic sacrifice. It reeks of rape. It reeks of murder, clearly. Um, it's absolutely horrific. And this, again, was from bbc.com. So, the BBC covered this briefly, but just like that, just sweep right under the rug. Next story, please. It's absolutely horrific. So, moving along, again, unfortunately, we're, we're on, the, on the same horrible vein here, but back to the United States, this comes from the Gateway Pundit, and it's titled, Denver Black Lives Matter Leader, And school board member, who's the same person, under investigation on multiple sex abuse allegations including 62 high school DACA students sexually assaulting illegal aliens who have made their way to the Denver, Colorado area. Quote, a local Denver school board member, Black Lives Matter protest leader, and anti-gun activist is facing dozens of accusations of sex abuse, rape, harassment, and inappropriate behavior from a variety of community members, including 62 high school students and illegal aliens in the DACA program, at least one as young as 14 years old. Tay Anderson is denying the allegations and hopes to continue his work on the school board and in activism, but more victims continue to come forward. He is now stepping aside from his duties while the investigation continues. Uh, let's see. Denver school board member Tay Anderson said Sunday he would step back from everyday board functions until an outside firm hired by the school district's com- by the school district completes an investigation into sexual assault allegations against him. Ladies and gentlemen, this is this is a serious police matter if not FBI. But we know how corrupt these organizations are now. We know how corrupt they are, and Denver, Colorado is one of the most Masonic cities in the United States. It's incredibly corrupt. It can't possibly get more corrupt in Denver, Colorado. And it says, it continues here, quote, in a separate statement, the school board clarified that Anderson will still vote on key matters, including the selection of a new superintendent, which is set to happen June 3rd. A Denver Public School spokesperson said, Anderson stepping back means Anderson will not attend school or district meetings with staff or students. This is absolutely horrible. I'm going to play this audio here from one of the, uh, I I don't know if she's a lawyer, but it's Coach MK, your protest mom on Twitter, uh, at Coach MK Fleming. And this particular post is titled, Rapist in Denver Public Schools, Testimony on SB21-088. So go ahead and give this a listen because apparently the victims are coming to her and reporting this to her and she's reporting it to authorities and reporting it to lawyers and she's working with other lawyers as well and working with the victims too. So here we go. Hi,
2: my name is Mary Catherine Brooks Fleming. I'm a small business owner a mother to four children, three of whom attend DPS, and I'm a survivor of the most violent rape imaginable. I don't have to tell you that rape's bad, right? And that child rape is worse. I feel like that needs to be said because no one ever seems to hear it, care, or do anything. And I'm hoping that what I tell you here today will compel you to do something because there's a sexual predator currently targeting DPS students. 62 in total have reported directly to me. In the summer of 2020, Wall of Moms formed, and we became a point of contact for people in the community who had nowhere else to go for help. In late August, I received a request from a DPS student for physical protection from a specific adult. Others came forward asking for similar protection from the same individual, one who is in a position of trust to them. By autumn, the asks had escalated. Individuals were now coming directly to my home asking for medical attention. One was as young as 14 and needed stitches. All in all, 61 high school students and one recent graduate would turn to me for help. 62 victims, as young as 14. 61 were undocumented or dreamers. All were so afraid of this one man. They were all afraid of the same man, to be perfectly clear, that they could not whisper his name. All of them listed offenses from unwanted touching, which is a third-degree felony in this state, to violent acts of rape that mirror my own. None wanted to report to the police. Most made comments like no one ever stops him. None of you ever do anything. Indicating that this was not the first time they had, in fact, asked directly for help. And later I would learn that there are multiple NDAs in place with white survivors of this person, which should be a clue that lots of mandatory reporters aren't. Those who came to my home did not have health insurance, couldn't afford emergency rooms, and even if they could. They wanted to avoid mandatory reporters for fear that such an interaction could jeopardize their family. It is horrifying to realize that someone knew who to prey on, knew that these children, that their silence was guaranteed. And I want all y'all to know that mine never is. These are children. Rape is bad. Child rape is worse. Child rape in DPS should be the thing we can all agree on should never happen. And that one is way too many. These children, their brains are still developing. Their fear is tangible. It is real. We have to stop putting the onus on children to feel and act like adults. They should have the time to decide when and if they want to come forward and how they want to handle this situation we are failing our kids we cannot overlook this injustice since our institutions don't protect us and the police cannot assist us the absolute least we can do is ensure that public institutions are held accountable for who they hire and that should start and end with our schools as a parent as a voter As a decent human being, I beg for your vote of yes on SB88 so that we the people can hold enabling institutions accountable since it seems like no one else will. Here's another statistic for you. There's only a 3% chance that this person will ever see justice because that's how rape works and that's how hard it is to prosecute. Yeah, the ramifications for schools are big. They should be. Instead of silencing survivors with NDAs, we've got to stop rapists. I'm here for questions. There we go. I said what I said. Rape's terrible. If you have been hesitating to come forward because of your own immigration status or that of certain family members, I want you to know. Whoops. I want you to know that we have attorneys on hand that are ready to take care of your family, whether or not you come forward. We don't need you to talk to the police. We're never going to ask you to talk to reporters. We want to make sure you have what you need in order to be safe. So if you or someone you love is a victim of the person and know exactly who I'm talking about, please reach out to me directly so I can hook you up with some free immigration attorney assistance. This is public Feel free to share. I'm protest mom. Sorry I haven't seen anyone in a while, but I've been busy working on this. There are multiple lanes in the revolution, and sometimes the least visible ones are the ones that will matter the most to people. I don't care about clout. I might have none left after today, but I would much rather have safety than clout. That's kind of what we're all fighting for. Thanks. 62 victims and counting. One is too many.
0: So even right there, during her, her testimony there, she's clearly stating that people don't feel comfortable going to the police. That should tell you something. That should tell you about how ingrained this this crime exists. The business of child trafficking and, and sexual grooming, it's right through police departments as well. Is it every police department? Of course not. But in some of the larger Metropolitan areas, it certainly is. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's beyond awful. Okay. Here are two, uh, two other stories. Neither one of these are of a sexual nature, but they are interesting because, of course, they're education related. Um, and this first one is, is kind of COVID related as well. In fact, it isn't kind of, it is COVID related. Uh, you, you've probably heard of the, Vaccine million nonsense that has gone on in Ohio here, along with Oregon and California, and I think even other states are are starting this up in order to inject more people with the poison. Uh, this too comes from let's see, Active Post, Activist Post, is the website, and it's titled Ohio Bills Introduced to cancel vaccine lottery and abolish all vaccine requirements. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, Mike DeWine, of course, is the governor, and he's a monster. So him signing off on this won't happen. But, and again, this this even passing the Ohio Senate might not occur either, which is too bad, because this business of people needing to take quote-unquote vaccines or this COVID jab to do anything even attend a public school is an absolute abomination because that's uh well it keeps people safe and it's designed to keep no no it isn't no you don't you don't understand what they are and that's not how that's not how the immune system works uh i i can't stand the people that say that they they have no concept of reality so here here i'm just going to read through this here and again it's it's it, it may end up just being a total dead end when it's all said and done. But it says this, quote, Ohio bills introduced to cancel vaccine lottery and abolish all vaccine requirements. Ohio is one of four states where COVID quote unquote vaccine lotteries, which are remarkably unethical, it should go without saying, are being held to encourage citizens aged 12 and up to roll up their sleeves, quote unquote. Lawmakers don't support the lottery, who don't support the lottery have introduced a bill to cancel it immediately. They have also introduced legislation to protect Ohioans who don't want to take any vaccines. More from Arx Technica. Ohio lawmakers want to abolish vaccine requirements, all vaccine requirements. Someone would only have to verbally decline vaccine and cite, quote, reasons of conscience, quote, unquote. Uh, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine's Vax a Million program began last Wednesday, running for the first of five one million weekly lottery drawings open to residents who have been vaccinated. They're not vaccines. It continues, quote, the effort is one of many incentive programs across the country aimed at getting vaccine-hesitant groups to roll up their sleeves, get vaccinated against the deadly coronavirus, and help end the pandemic. Okay, that entire sentence is all propaganda. And that's the exact sentence that countless people are using. Vaccine hesitancy is a bad thing, they say. Yes, that's right. I'm the crazy person because I don't plunge needles into my arms when I'm perfectly healthy and want to inject myself with a a, a, a RNA manipulative poison for the rest of my life that permanently compromises my immune system. I'm the crazy person. This roll up their sleeves line, also propaganda. Get vaccinated against deadly coronavirus. No. Nope. 99.8% survival rate. Higher than the flu. And I don't even get the flu shot. Ever. And then it ends with, of course, help end the pandemic. There is no pandemic. If there really was one, you'd be stepping over bodies. I've been over this before. It continues. Quote, but while the lottery has already been hailed as a success in boosting vaccination numbers, see, they don't care about you. They just want you drugged permanently. Conservative lawmakers in the Buckeye State appear to be did, did, diligently there we go, working toward reversing that trend. Lawmakers are working on legislation to call off the lottery immediately. They're also trying to head off any plans for quote-unquote vaccine passports. And last month, they introduced a sweeping anti-vaccination bill that would essentially demolish public health and vaccination requirements in the state, and not just requirements for COVID-19 vaccinations, requirements for any vaccine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. House Bill 248, introduced last month by Representative Jennifer Gross of Westchester, would allow anyone to decline any vaccine with a simple verbal declaration based on, quote, reasons of conscience, quote, unquote, like I said earlier. The bill would let people off the hook for vaccine requirements set by virtually any entity. The bill lists them naming individuals' businesses like daycares, corporations, trusts, business trusts, estates, associations, partnerships, cities, counties, townships, municipal corporations, school districts, hip, hip, hooray, health districts, a city's health board, any public official, public offices, or any state agency defined as any institution or organization that receives any support from the state. If any of the above entities even tries to institute a vaccine requirement, it will be required under HB 248 to notify people that they are able to decline. So they have to tell them that they're allowed to decline. The businesses do. Quote, the entities are not allowed to disclose who has declined. So they can't dox you, basically, and discriminate against you. Good. Good. And they shall not discriminate against, deny service, or access to segregate, require a facial covering or other vaccination status label for or otherwise penalize an individual financially or socially for declining a vaccination, unquote. HB 248 also notes that the act should be referred to as the, quote, vaccination, Vaccine Choice and Anti-Discrimination Act, unquote. This comes from activistpost.com. This is glorious, ladies and gentlemen. This one is glorious. Because the discrimination that's happened here regarding the vaccinated and unvaccinated, in particular the unvaccinated, even though it's not a vaccine, has been absolutely horrible. It's been absolutely horrible. And that right there should be the indication that none of this should be taking place. Now, here's the cool part, and this should, this should, this should stimulate the minds and hearts of, of Americans here. It's, it's being discussed now consistently that the American populace is waking up to the fact that the federal government does not have jurisdiction over local municipalities whatsoever. That it's, it's the local area that has all of the power all of the time, which means who your governor is, is a big deal. It's a big deal. If your governor is a tyrant, or a wolf in sheep's clothing, you're going to find that out very quickly. Mike DeWine is blackmailed. He was a horrible senator in Washington, D.C. for Ohio. He's an even worse governor. He's blackmailed. That's the only reason that you bounce from political position from one to the next. Everybody in Ohio hates Mike DeWine. Everybody. I have yet to meet a person that likes him um but that right there again should show you that it's really the local states and even local counties that have all of the power it's not the federal government the federal government can claim they have all of the power but the american people have to wake up to the fact that the real power does exist at the local level even on a legal basis so that's a good thing and that has to continue to happen now here's the last story Because I really don't have much more on COVID, uh, even though I could spend countless hours a day on it. And uh, the information that's continuing to roll out about it is amazing, but I'm going to end it there with that. But here's this last story, and this comes from South Carolina, and this comes from LakeGenevanews.net. And it's titled, New Law Lets South Carolina Education Chief Fire Boards After Takeover. So here we go. Quote, the law, signed by Governor Henry McMaster, after easily passing the House and Senate, goes into effect in July of 2022. It allows the superintendent to declare a state of education emergency in school districts where 65% or more of the schools are rated underperforming for three straight years on the Department of Education's annual school report card. It allow. I'm going to repeat that. It, it allows the state superintendent to declare a state of emergency within a school district again if um, a certain percentage of their schools within that district are rated as underperforming. okay it continues quote if the State Board of Education agrees with the stup- with the superintendent on the emergency declaration, the district school board is all fired. And state officials will get at least six years to take over the district and try to improve it. Now, I'm going to tell you something. In my opinion, this is a double-edged sword, and I'll get into that at the end. But let me just finish this article because there's a lot of angles here, and uh, this isn't necessary. It may sound like a nice thing at face value, but uh, this has corruption written all over it for a variety of reasons. It continues. Quote: The state is currently running districts in. Allendale County, for a second time, as well as in Williamsburg County and Florence District 4. Current Education Superintendent Molly Spearman said the experiences so far led her to ask lawmakers to add the provision to get rid of school board members. Quote, in the three districts that we have declared a state of emergency, there was negligence by some of the school board members, and those same members continued to be a distraction while we were while we were there working, unquote. Spearman said in an interview with the state newspaper quote "That's when it became apparent to me that the best solution would be to dissolve those boards. Unquote. If a district shows three years of progress, an interim board is chosen by the education superintendent, governor, and local legislators. The board serves for at least three years before local school board elections can start again." the law is unclear about whether Spearman can get rid of the boards in in districts the state is already running. Education department officials are asking lawmakers to clarify that next year. Okay. I don't think this is necessarily a good thing. When the state government, okay, intervenes at the local level to always root out who they determine to be bad people or underperforming schools. Now, first of all, I'm going to go at it from this angle. First of all, it's not uncommon for school districts to feel, to feel the boot on the back of their head. Or the boot on their neck, so to speak, and, and pressure from the state, and then the local, and then that district at the local level starts to manipulate numbers, test scores, X, Y, Z, in order to make their districts or their schools look better performing. That's not uncommon; happens all of the time. It's horrible, of course. It's unethical, yes, and even in many cases, the FBI has gotten involved. In particular, if such schools are. Uh, charter schools and, and what have you, but here we're talking about public schools primarily. So the business of fudging grades or number manipulation is very common. Again, in particular when a local school district feels the weight of uh, of the state Department of Education coming down on top of them. That's not that's not unusual. Uh, another angle of this, which I think is is rather nefarious, is that of course there are bad school districts and they're poorly managed. And yes, there are horrible school board members. We, we know this. This is common knowledge. But say, for example, they all get kicked out. Well, what replaces it? I mean, it's old boss, same as the new boss. You're, you're replacing bad elected officials, whether corruptly or justly elected, with state government that local parents and students In particular, local parents and taxpayers have no say over who it is and how they show up. That's not a good thing either. Which means, again, you're going to have massive government overreach when it comes to the curriculum implementation that takes place. Because if the state is choosing the school board members because they've deemed it as being unethical or um, underperforming, quote unquote, for for a litany of reasons, I'm sure. Or maybe they're all made up, who knows. Um, That means that those state government officials and whoever is chosen to fill in for that board is going to have a say, and the ultimate say, on what curriculum is implemented. Well, based on the very beginning of this podcast and the audio that I played, what if that's the kind of curriculum that's implemented? What if it's degenerate, uh, completely inappropriate, Marxist drivel? that is introduced as the curriculum. What happens when that's the case? Then what? Is the state then going to be the manipulators of statistics and say that, oh, look, they're all performing now and everything is great. I think that this entire, I think that this entire thing, while perhaps well-intended, although perhaps not, because it's still government, that while well-intended, maybe, it has way more nefarious angles to it than what meets the eye. So you have to understand where I'm coming from. That when I hear of government overreach like this, from the state all the way down to the local level, uh, that always worries me. Even if they're they're cleaning out the rats that exist inside of a school board, which is a good thing. But again. That's what local elections are for. That's, that's, what, that's what voting is for. That, that's, that's the point. In this model, they don't get to vote. No, no local officials get to vote for years. We're talking six years after the fact if a school is, is deemed as, as, as being underperforming. That's a big red flag. For me personally, again, looking at it with what I know, uh, th- that's a red flag also, because again, that defeats the purpose of having the elections in the first place. If you're going to run for a school board, as I've covered on the podcast on numerous occasions, if you're going to run for a school board, then you have to do it based on the lack of success that's already occurred within that school board before before you started to run, and you use that lack of success as your motivator to be successful and get out of the way of effective teachers and, again, do what you can to get rid of the ineffective teachers. But that's up to the local level. That shouldn't always or solely be left to government. I just think that this is a this is one of those stories where, where the people of South Carolina are really going to have to pay attention to this. And they're really going to have to keep an eye on this because this, um, this is suspicious to say the least. So We covered a lot here. God, I'm running on almost 50 minutes. If you hung in this entire time, thank you. Um, Again, just a quick thank you to everybody who listens. I really do appreciate it, and uh, catch you next time on Friday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care, and God bless.